my parents were supportive, but they didn't fully get it. And, and so like, I ended up kind of like distancing myself from other white folks kind of going, gravitating towards black people and, and folks of color and like, yeah, kind of like positioning yourself, like, Oh, I get it. I'm one of the good ones. Right. That kind of thing. Right. So I did hard, even as I learned a more honest frame on this country, I still didn't understand myself. Mm. Right. And so that's why I talk about it. And I'm kind of writing in this memoir is like, really wasn't until my thirties, you know, that I started more understand like white privilege and whiteness and like some of the ways that I was behaving that was doing harm, you know, and and there's a lot of well-meaning racism as well. Right. Welcome to the Taking Out the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Uh, today's guest is Jason Beal. Uh, you know, Jason works in anti-racist work. I wanted to think about this podcast in a couple of ways, because you're going to hear me get excited in some areas. You're going to hear me really thoughtful in other areas. But I want to tell you a story of why there's so many things that resonated in this podcast with me, with this conversation. I mean, we're going to talk on some topics. We're going to talk about slavery a little bit. We're going to talk about racism a little bit. We're going to talk about white men and black men and this intersection between all of our lives and this fabric that we're kind of connected to. And sometimes we may sense or feel like we're not connected. I'm going to tell you a story back when I was maybe five or six years old. Maybe maybe I was seven or eight. I don't know. But I, I remember uh, the year that Roots came out. Roots um, was a book written by Alex Haley, and it was uh, adapted to TV on PBS. I remember KQED was showing it after school, and after school we would come home, and I remember the first couple of episodes, my mom, we would sit down after school. Like, normally we have to do chores, and but she was like, we're going to sit here and we're going to watch this. And I, and I was young. I was young. I remember seeing what was going on, and I had so many questions. I had so many questions as to why these people were in chains and why are they in a boat and why are they being whipped and why does he tell this boy named uh, Kunta Kente that his name has to be Toby and why is he beating him and why is he whipping him? And I had so many questions as a little kid watching these behaviors. I mean, I grew up in California. I grew up in a place where I'm free, right? I was never enslaved. My mom grew up in Arkansas, Little Rock. My mom witnessed behaviors that were horrible. My mom went to Central High School, the one of the first schools that was integrated. I want you to know that my story could have stopped there. In Little Rock, Arkansas, where my grandmother still lives, I think that the deeper part of this work, and um, we don't talk about my grandmother in this, we don't talk about my mom in this episode, but we do talk about, man, I was thankful to hear Jason talk about how he is trying to help other white folks, men, to understand their stories. I mean, I was confused when I was a little kid watching this and wondering, oh my goodness, why are these white people beating on these black people? And no one's doing anything. Why are they not standing up? Why are they afraid? What's happening? What's going on? And as I became adult and I became more thoughtful and learned more history, and as I've seen the last few years of my life, recognize that there are people who are willing to believe that there was no big deal, that this didn't happen, that we shouldn't talk about it, that we shouldn't teach kids today of what has happened in this country because it's easier because we don't want them to feel bad about themselves. Well, that may be a topic for another episode. We don't go into the depth of that. And I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about that that I'm resisting talking about right now. But what I am thankful for is that Jason has decided that he is going to spend his life to have a new understanding for people who look like him, of what 
has not only happened in this country, but that we have all have a role to play in how to make it better. If you were to watch the news, you would think that somehow these stories were um, hurting people because they learned about their history. Now, listen, imagine many of our families have stories and histories that we may not want to hear about. So would the answer be we don't learn about it because we don't want to hear about it? Or do we be, uh, push ourselves to hear things we don't want to hear? I imagine you've seen many pictures and photos of lynchings, or maybe you've heard of there were photos. There, there were more than just photos of lynchings. There were postcards that the U.S. Postal Service would mail to other people's house. People would take pictures of themselves at lynchings and they would send a card written about what they did on the weekend to their family members in other parts of the country. They were put in the postal mail. And there were people under these bodies hanging, posing for this behavior that we and somehow in this country, people have decided that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to know about. Well, those people are the ancestors of someone those people taught their kids something those kids believed or didn't believe certain messages and we all have a role to play in how we understand that these messages were passed down from generation to generation hate evil white supremacy and so man all I want to say in this episode is that I am thankful for Jason in this conversation. I've met many good people in my life. I've met many good people of all backgrounds in my life. But there's something to say when your heart gets touched by a man who is willing to um, be at odds with his own community for those words that sometimes people don't want to hear. And so... uh Today, this, this conversation is personal, is meaningful, and I hope that the word spreads to more men, women, and people all over the world, definitely here in the United States, people who have decided to ignore a, a whole body of heap, people, a whole history of people because of the discomfort. And so if you find yourself sensitive to topics about race, Buckle up. These are conversations of men who get to take off our masks and talk about feelings and thoughts and life and that we're not alone. If you have not yet made a mask, I'll say you can actually make your mask anonymously online. Jason and I share our masks publicly, but you can make your mask online at millionmask.org. And we just had our public launch here in Oakland. So the movement is growing. And I hope that if you haven't heard about it yet, that you will tell somebody about it. Um, because I believe that this is how we're going to um, encourage and increase more love in our community, which is I think we all need. Thank you for being a part of this Taking Off the Mass podcast. Please enjoy today's episode. Jason, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ashanti. Well, you know, we like our guests to introduce themselves first. So uh, I'm going to leave, leave it to you, Jason Beal, to introduce yourself to the audience, what you want them to know about you, and then um, we'll jump into the mask. Sounds great. I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm Jason Beal, he, him pronouns, born and raised in Washington, D.C. Um, I'll say I have a history teaching background. Um, also, a turning point in my life, I'll just name, was switching majors from journalism to African-American studies at University of Wisconsin at age 19. And I feel like that was this moment of realizing that some of my elite prep school uh, education, I went to an all-boys school, St. Albans, for nine years here in D.C. And, you know, I had growing up in D.C., which was then known as Chocolate City, you know, I, I was curious about race. Obviously, I was you know, live in a certain existence, but a little bit of a sheltered existence. And uh, that some courses there really gave me the opportunity to delve into an exploration around, you know, my own racial identity, kind of learn a more honest um, 
history and lens and, and critique, I would say, of this country and world. Um, and ultimately, I, it, it came, you know, I was felt a little deceived by, uh, you know, that elite education. And so that was the, the impetus for that. Fast forward 25 years later. This is a long introduction. I'm no, it's perfect. It's right perfect. In, right? No, no, no. You're perfect. Perfect right in. And I just say that, um, you know, been involved um, in a lot of different ways in anti-racism work with white folks um, and, and with white men and um, grateful to showing up for racial justice. That organization um, did some work uh, organizing a masculinity and whiteness reading group that evolved into an internal liberation healing space for white men, still going strong five years later. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Form, former history teacher um, and, and have a lot of, you know, compassion and, and determination um, around these social justice issues, you know, in this very moment. So, Man, well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work and thank you for, I, mean, I think there's a, there's a way that this work is so important that we are having multiple voices in the fight for liberation, you know? And I think that oftentimes, you know, if it can be seen like there's only only no one else cares, right? Really, when you're in the work, are you in the work? You're like, does anybody else care? And to hear voices of of men in the work that really care and that are willing to put their voice and their and their pat and their pa- passion, privilege, platform, position, right? All those things. Sometimes you can say on the line, right? Because there's consequences in standing up for against the power positions that exist, you know? And so um, I, I thank you for that. And thank, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's an honor. And, and you, your film had a big impact on me and some of this work with other men and just seeing you in schools, doing this work with youth. And, you know, it's, it's so important um, to really model a, a healthier, you know, masculinity and to get really just give, you know, male identify folks like space to dig into our feelings. Cause we know that disconnection from our feelings is, yeah. is part of, uh, it's part of the harm and the, and the harm yeah. that, we, that we inflict sometimes, you know? So, That's right. yeah. Said, so is that severing from the head, from the heart, right? It's like the, the road doesn't connect. And I think that's the work I think. And as a teacher to teacher, you know, I was a T te- I was a math teacher for uh, 10 years. So I have a, a huge, I think that's probably what I, I, I I don't know what I picked up. I picked up on just good energy, but also like, you know, I love teachers. So first of all, thank you for, for, for being in that work and being, you know, it's such an important work and it's work that doesn't often get um, the respect I think it needs and deserves, you know? So um, we get to make masks together. So it's not art. It's not art, but it is a, we get to draw something and, and you already have your mask ready. Yeah, I do. Okay, and so as a guest, you get to decide who goes first. Either you want me to go first or you want yourself to go first and it's your choice as a guest. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to defer cuz you know, you know. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. Right on. I, that, that's what we let the guest choose cuz it's an important piece for that uh that space creating, you know? Um and so uh I wanted some more. I wanted. To, I was gonna add some some highlights. I, I bought this new color pencil. I was gonna add some highlights to the image. It's it's. I'm gonna just leave it. I'm gonna leave it. Something was telling me just leave it. Okay. So here's my here's the mask I drew. Okay. Wow. I was thinking of this character, this wrestling character who has a has his mask on, but that's the character. And the words I drew on the front of my mask are, uh, here we go, serious, hardworking, and caring. Okay. So in my uh, best teacher writing, that's actually pretty messy. Serious, hardworking, and caring. And I think the where this stands out to me the most right now is um, the one that stands out to me the most in this moment is like Sirius has been taking charge, right? Um, sometimes if I when, I when I started writing caring on the mask, when I, like I think deep down, like I care, sometimes I feel like I care I don't feel like I care too much, but my overness, uh, overly caring self gets hurt a lot because mm. sometimes when you care so much for others, about others, I mean, you can't, I can't make it better for people. I can't make situations better for everyone who I care about. 
and I have to like be really mindful that I, I can only, I can care a lot, but if, when it begins to impede on my own well-being and wellness, then it's becoming dangerous. Right. But like how much sleep do I lose for the young men who are, who are struggling out there right now in my work? How much, how much do I try and push a mom who is raising her 16 year old, like he's six and who is constantly mad at him because he's not six anymore. And you're like the, the, like the constant, like wanting to support all these pieces of the world that are struggling. And sometimes I'm like, I, I don't, I wonder how people turn it off. I mean, I, I wonder how people can see people hurting and just be like, Oh, I don't, whatever. And ignore it. I, I just don't, I don't know that reality. So Sometimes I don't, I would never say I care too much, but I know that I have let caring go to the extreme where that I'm just kind of spinning in, in the spin cycle, you know? And so, um, uh, I don't know. That's actually, I'm actually talking about more stuff on the back than in the front, but I, the, the front, the front, what I let people see is that I'm caring, serious and hardworking. I, I, I'll stop there right there. That all resonates. And I'll just say that that feeling, I and I'll just say like, connecting in space via zoom in, during this pandemic in these moments of of devastation and and just um you know white supremacy but also covid and all the law yeah. like this country doesn't allow you to grieve you know yeah. and, and i mean i'll just say that like i surprise people for like how much heart i have you know mm-hmm. and it's really like they don't expect to see me and it's also like painful to have how you look potentially be the identity of the folks who on January 6th stormed the Capitol, right? Or the MAGA hats in DC. I saw a a woman wrote a story about like seeing that in African American museum in DC and how painful that was. And like, so, so it's just to that. So I feel that I care deeply as well. Um, And Anyway, I don't know if that's front of my mask or my. I think that's I think that's the back for me. But should I should I start with my mask? Because I'm yeah, yeah. You start. Just jump in. All right. So (laughs) and I kind of cheated. So and I'm like not that man. I lost my craftiness a long time. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. (laughs) Oh, do this. Do this. Uh, cover up the back. Like uh, maybe uh, if you don't, if you're willing to tear it out, tear it out. Yeah, yeah, tear it out. And then uh, just fold over the back so we don't we don't see the back before you're ready to tell us somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. So good. I'm glad we did this. Right on. Sorry, that was good. We just we we wait for the reveal. We wait for the reveal, That's right? Good. Okay. Yeah. And I and I sort of cheated in the the like my three things because <laughs> I was like trying to pick one word as hard. So oh. I did playful humor. Yeah. I just think I got like witty, and it's like trying to bring that lightness. You know, I think is so important to me, and and sense of humor. It's I mean it's 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 one of the great parts of, of life is laughter, right? That's and right. I, I was just kidding. So there's. So there's that playfulness and humor, outgoing optimist. You know, I feel like I'm just like social and I'm also just like glass half full, just like presenting that to the world. Like we can, you know, do this and all that. And then steady, reliable too, right? Just sort of this like even keeledness, like going to show up, going to be on time, like have my shit together. I don't know yeah. if we can curse on here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all welcome. It's, it's all welcome. It's all welcome. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I feel like there's a, yeah, there's something there too, where it's like, because, you know, I'm looking forward to obviously getting the back because yeah, these are times where it's hard to have it all together. Mm. And it's hard to, you know, how are you doing? I'm okay. Right. And mm. it's like getting that, that honesty with self and with others around, it's okay to not be okay. And like yeah. even how we write emails and respond to emails, right? I hope this email finds you well. It's like, I'm not saying that anymore, right? Like it's like, no, like it's not honest, you know. Man. I, I I'm glad you actually mentioned that segment. Thank you. Thank you. There's a um I've been really presencing that part. Like when I send somebody a text and I'm like, um, I hope you're well, or like that, and I'm and, and yeah, it is the hope, but I think it almost like I know when people send it to me, I'm like, oh, I can't. Then I can't really tell you that it actually it sucks right now, right? That right. means right, like 
do I just bash your hope that your hope is actually way off because it's horrible right now? You're like, like, how do we make room for? And so I just I try and like keep it as the question. But even in the question, like, how are you doing? Uh, here's what we hear from like a lot of folks in our work, right? Right. I'm fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But knowing that inside that fine, there's so many other things that are going on. Right. Right. That fine is just a a a great cover word, right? Yeah. It's a great cover word for for like all the things. And I in my in our work, we try and talk to young men around. Oh, they say they say fine. I'm like, oh, it's good. Tell me, tell me about what's fine. What's fine today? Yeah. They say they're good. Oh, tell me what's good today. Like, yeah. I'm, oh, everything is great. Oh, tell me what's great today. Yeah. Like, I want if you're gonna, I want you to name it so that you know that I'm really asking. So you're not just answering as a cover up answer, right? And if you don't want to get into it, you can just say I don't want to get into it. I'm like, oh, I respect that too. Yeah. But not to say an answer that you know is not all the way accurate. But now, guess what? Also, people don't deserve to hear all your stuff. So maybe great is the answer that person needs to hear. But if it's somebody who I trusted more, who I knew more, I'll be willing to to tell them, you know, hang in here. It's a rough day, right? Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're coming home and you're telling your mom one word answers or whatever, like you said, then it's like, yeah, we're bottled up. You know, we're not in it. There is so much that's, uh, that's relevant there. And I'll just say, and it is important also to access joy. I mean, I had I had a friend who was talking about recently. It was like the men in the work, and it's things are so heavy. And he was like, heard a little. I think it was like Grateful Dead music or something in the park, or you know something. He's just like did a little dance, little. It's just like just a brief thing, but it was like an unexpected like live music like in a park, and coming across that was like it made him realize like, oh, that felt good, and I could like. Yeah let loose and like be free. And, um, and I think that's so important because, um, yeah, it just is. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's the front. <laughs> that's the front. Now we're going to head to the back. <laughs> oh, the back. Oh my God. I, I, I paused on this one. I paused on this one. Okay. Okay. Um, oh man. Okay. I got it. I, I, I finished the front and then I was like, what am I going to write on the back? I try and like let the back be as much in the moment as possible. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. I feel that one right now. Um, and um, um, okay. There we go. So um, man, so this is a, uh, you know, for people for context, uh, for people out there, today is the November the eighth, so it's a big day in in our in our country uh, here in the U.S. Um, it's election day, midterms, and you know we there's a lot of stuff at stake in so many places, in so many ways, and um, and so the back is written with that in mind um, that I'm worried. Uh, I feel a lot of heaviness. And I'm asking myself, what's next? I'm like wondering what's next. And, and I'm hoping for that. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also like in some, some back of my mind since worry, but I, I think I'm the heaviness I want to speak to. I don't, I don't really want to speak to the political heaviness because I do have a lot of that. Um, but I want to speak to this another heaviness that's really present for me right now. My, uh, so um, my brother, I have an older brother by father um, and an older sister. Um, and we didn't grow up together. I mean, we would see each other, you know, on the weekend sometimes, but um, my father passed before I was born. So I never met my father. They met my father. I never did. Um, but my brother, you know, my grandmother passed recently or January 2020. It was like recent. I keep thinking about it. But um, I got a text from my sister yesterday that my brother. So some of my cousins uh, decided to sell my grandmother's house. It's it, it's a disturbing situation, but. And so everybody would have their hand out. Everybody was like trying to get their, get their cut. You know, <laughs> my grandmother had the house since the fifties. Right. And they sold her house. And like, as soon as it was just, it was disturbing for me as a youngest, I'm the youngest grandson. So yeah. um, I think the heaviness is that my brother has now uh, spent all of what he got. And now is looking for a place to live. I mean, it's, it's been oh, less than a, yeah. less than a year. 
less than a year to just to just like and then and, and it bothers me it's like now where is he gonna go like he he didn't make any good decisions. He didn't make a plan. He didn't. And so now he is trying to figure out where is he going to go live after he just squandered. And you just like, you hear about it all the time, right? People win the lottery and they win this and, and, and they just throw it all away or they don't know how to manage it or whatever. So that's some heaviness that's, you know, as much as I'm worried about the big global world heaviness that's about to hit the, you know, whatever, I'm worried about like right here, right here, my my brother who now is going to have to try and figure out where he's going to live because he's basically threw all of his money away at the world. And um, and that's disturbing. So that's a heaviness. And uh, I think that's the one that's like, you know, really present right now. So I'm Thanks. I'm complete there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I appreciate you being so vulnerable around your family and, and- and um yeah and and obviously the home that you know goes back so long in your family too it's just like that's 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 a lot you know that's hard um thank you man i yeah it was coming up for me and and i crossed code you just saying being present or whatever and i i crossed out on the back of my mask i had angry and then i realized no actually i show people i'm angry (laughs) <laughs> that's on the front. I wrote a piece a couple of days ago and I was angry, right? And that's there. But what I don't necessarily show people is that I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared. And I'm literally like, and to say that being like checking the boxes of so many points mm-hmm. of dominant culture in this country, is it there's an awareness there on how privileged I am, how good I have it family you know all the things and still it's like where this country's at and and, and you know what it's bigger than and then just country but i'll just say scared sad grieving you know mm. i don't sh- i just feel like always put in on i feel like i have to be that upbeat outgoing and it's like in heart it's like it's been devastating and we're not yeah. giving time to pro and i've been in spaces where i mean the monday after that um the horrific white supremacist shooting in Buffalo. Mm. I was in a space with a client and a black woman and like, and she just named like apologies if I have my camera off some, like I'm, I'm upset. I'm raggedy today. Right. And mm. it was like, I get it. And like, it got really real really quickly. And that's why I'm like thankful to be in this work with such um, compassionate folks where there is yeah. so much resonance, but to be able to have to do it and to dig in yeah. So uh, you know the session or whatever was planned, and yeah. to not be able to always do an impromptu in yeah. moments of like profound hurt is really hard. Um, yeah. And so, and then self doubt. And so, and I'll just say that like the scared piece, I'm gonna I'm gonna delve because it's not just for this and the frustration where this country's at all that, but it's also like personally because. Yeah. Just to be really frank, like I have a lot of love and compassion and 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 value in this work. Yeah. And everything that's happening in this country is in direct opposition to the work with white folks that I've been doing since 2017 and or 2016 and 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 trying to build and trying to heal and try and now it's like schools had a conversation with a woman in Maryland, like. She told me 10% of our schools are still like committed to the ones who like started this, like prior to the horrific mor- uh, murder of George Floyd, they've yeah. still got the support. They got the parents on board. She's like 90% of our schools are either have either paused or like gone in the other direction. Right? Mm. And I'm just like, man. Right. And mm. so like, that's, what's got me scared and just like yeah. feeling some type of way is it's like, it's not even just the vileness and everything of them. It's like the chills that it's sent through other, you know, the schools and the organizations and just like how quickly, because in 2020, there was like, it felt like, oh, people are changing their missions. You know, it felt like this month and I knew it wasn't going to last forever. And mm-hmm. here we are two years later. And it's like, it's just scary because it's, we have to do values aligned work and we have to, I want to say we have to keep fighting, but there almost feels like something unhealthy in that, 
right? Yeah. Because it's too much and to to keep going. Like someone said that yesterday around the election, they were like, well, if black and brown people like, you know, they need to turn out more like than they did. And it's like, why do we, I'm just going to name it. Like, why do we depend on black women to save this country? Like from itself and black black folks and brown folks. And it's like, why are the expectations for white folks to change on the floor? And like, that's the work that I'm a, a part of. And it's, extremely painful yeah to to kind of devote my life to this yeah and feel like it doesn't matter right yeah and 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 i know that it does um and uh but that's that's a lot of what's coming up you know just just heaviness man thank you for that Uh, you know first of all thank you for the work Uh, you know um So we got a chance to, my young men in my program, we got a chance to go to Santa Cruz and we got a chance to hear Winston, Winston Marcellus, mm-hmm. um, uh, like his, he had created a symphony and it was this big, the Cabrillo festival and it was amazing. Um, and, and we got a chance to have a little one-on-one with him, with some of the young men. And I think one of the things he talked about that really stood out to me was that, you know, there's always been, this idea that, you know, all white folks were not all in agreement with all the things that were happening in part of a lot of our country, right? I mean, there, there were times when they were the ones who were in charge and the ones who were in power made all the decisions. But you think about the Underground Railroad, you think about those things. And I think that, you know, the, the challenge is that the power is in charge always drowns out the voices of the, the the dissenting voices. Yes. And I think that, I, I, you know, you went to Wisconsin, so I, I've only been there once. I went to a wedding in Mosinee. <laughs> so I don't, that's the only thing I know about Wisconsin is uh, brandy old-fashioned sweets, and I know Mosinee makes paper. You know what I mean? Right? That's, I, that's the two things I know. I don't claim to know much more, but um, what I what I am at, what I what I'm curious about. I mean, it's just like one question I think about is how hard was that for you in Wisconsin to change your major? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm glad that they had the major existed there, so that's a beautiful thing to know. Mm-hmm. But how hard was that with you with with the circle? Maybe you had a great circle of friends, but did you experience any pushback from people who were like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, because I think. I mean, I think maybe the pressure is what causes most people not to stand up for those who are downtrodden and stand up for those who maybe in their gut they feel they want to fight for, but they know the pressure of the counter narrative is so powerful. Absolutely. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'll just say this was 1997. So it's like a whole different era. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm younger than I, you know, I look younger. I get that like compliments sometimes, but you know, 46. And so it's also just like a different era. It was multiculturalism. It was, you know, a uh, colorblindness was like a virtue. Oh, I don't see race or right? all that stuff. I mean, that unfortunately, some of that stuff is still around, but I didn't know. Yeah. I feel like, and people like will say things like, oh, you were just, you want to be black or like all this different stuff. And it was like, no, I was searching for the truth. Right. I felt lied to. Right. I felt angry that that I was like, you know, we get this American idyllic dream, you know, story on a shining thing on a hill. And it's just, it's just a lie. Right. And so, and, and Nelson Mandela's long walk to freedom was something that unearthed that too. I couldn't believe I didn't know what apartheid was like, why didn't, how did I go to this top school? We just weren't talking about things to be honest with you. You know, and it was also a time of like Martin versus Malcolm, right. The whole nineties and that framing, right. Very male, uh, movement center too. And I, and I actually yeah. read about it was like my like black studies journey was very like male, like hetero, like influenced, you know, until it wasn't, you know, until yeah. I started getting into, you know, black feminism, Tony K. Bambara and Angela Davis and all these other folks. Yeah. And so, um, but the short answer is I lived this like dual thing. I was changing on the inside. I was going to all these classes. I was learning. I was being filled. And I still had this like lily white social group, you know, I partied with, go out with Madison is like Madtown, you know, we're Halloween and different things, going to football games is putting a vodka bottle and a watermelon and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Right. <laughs> so it was just, 
Yeah, I would. And, and to be honest with you, that they were, if I'm being really honest, and that's why we're here, I think as I got more, Brian Stevenson talks about proximity. And as I got more proximity to this injustice and system racism and so all the things, you know, I probably coped through drinking or, you know, smoking some, some weed and things like that. It's because I just, I didn't know how to deal with it all, you know, yeah, and I felt yeah. overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. Um, and then there were years of like working nonprofit back in DC and doing some like white savioring, you know, so it's like, had to then unpack, like, that's the other thing was like, my parents were supportive, but they didn't fully get it. And, and so like, I ended up kind of like distancing myself from other white folks kind of going, gravitating towards black people and, and folks of color and like, yeah, kind of like positioning yourself like, oh, I get it. I'm one of the good ones. Right. That kind of thing. Right. So I did, even as I learned a more honest frame on this country, I still didn't understand myself. Mm. Right. And so that's why I talk about it. And I'm kind of writing in this memoir is like, really wasn't until my thirties, you know, or a bit that I started more understand like white privilege and whiteness and like some of the ways that I was behaving that was doing harm, you know, and, and there's a lot of well-meaning racism as well. Right. Yeah. So anyway. No, I, I appreciate it. You know, um, yeah. there was a friend of mine in college uh, and I haven't talked to him forever and I've been looking for him. And he's, he's on social media, or at least I haven't found him. And I remember, um, two friends I'm thinking about there, there was uh, one brother who's no longer with us, Michael Kane. Uh, he's from Berkeley. Uh -huh. And uh, man, we would have some conversations like this. Like I was the first time he, he came up to me and we talked and I found out he was from the Bay area. You know, if we're in San Luis Obispo, so it's like, you know, mostly, you know, 80% white, 75% white, 2% black. It was like to find people who look like you was hard enough, but to find people who, could connect with you who didn't even look like you was even rarer. Right. But, and, and to see him, uh, this young white dude from Berkeley who had a heart for justice was almost, uh, I mean, I grew up in Oakland, so we didn't, I didn't, there was in my high school, there was only one white girl. Her name was April. Like, okay. that, right. That was the only one. And it was like, so I didn't grow up with white people in my life. Right. Only time you saw was on TV and on the news. Right. But to go to Cal Poly and be like a, a sea of white faces who would to your face tell you that you didn't deserve to get in there. You you got in here because of affirmative action. And I'm like, well, I don't know. But my my acceptance letter didn't say anything about that. So if it was good thing, they kept it a secret, you know, so I'm not sure how you found out. But I think even having to defend that, but to have this brother um, one thing about Michael, um, who just had a big heart, like it was just like wow like where where did you where did like when you say where like where did you come from it's like i know he wasn't like the only one but it's like you speak about it and you're open to it and i think you know we had a, a beautiful connection of friendship and i think um i i often wonder how people can can stay asleep either they intentionally stay asleep to the what's happening in the world around them or they have trained themselves to like, don't acknowledge that you see it. Right. Don't acknowledge that you see it. And it's almost like, I don't know which one is worse <laughs> to right. just never, uh, to never be willing to explore past what someone told you you should think about, or to be like, yeah, I noticed all of that, but I have to follow along when, you know, along this, this path. And, um, those are some things I think about. Yeah, no, I so appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's like white folks need to realize that something's been done to us, that we're raced, right? Like we don't, we're not actually white, right? There's the whole, like the Baldwin, right? On being white in other lives, right? Mm -hmm. We were Polish, we were German, we were Irish. We've lost that ethnicity. We've lost that culture and our legacies taken it from other folks, right? And we don't even do, so it's like, I still have work to do on exploring my own family and my, and I've gotten in some spaces uh, recent last year around like ancestral healing work. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? You know? And it's mm. like, we actually have more ability to like research our people and find them. And yet we still don't do the work. 
Why is that, right? Because we're afraid of what we're going to find. And to your point, mm. there have always been white abolitionists. There have always been folks as part of that struggle buried in there. There's a great book called A Promise and a Way of Life by Becky Thompson. I think it's mm. now to her name is Becky too. I'm just going to say that. But um, <laughs> anyway, it like chronicles like 39 like white anti-racist historians. And I never heard of these mm. folks. And it's like, how, how come if I'm someone who's at this place in this work and I haven't heard of this book and I haven't heard of these folks yeah. and that's a function of white supremacy too, that yeah. the, the resistors and the subversive, you know, uh, uh, white folks who were really yeah. putting the body on the line. If we don't know about them, yeah, we need that. Cause I was learning all about John Lewis and, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer and all and completely inspired. Yeah. Move. yeah. And then, yeah. It, but I was like 40 years old before I was like, but I can't be that, right? I can't, right. that's not my lane. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of what I'm trying to do in the work is like shine a light on some of that, that whiteness and also that, that subversiveness to it. Um, but I actually want to pose a question. I want to, I want to like move this with white men or like back to like some masculinity and patriarchy. Yeah. So because like the, the group that we organize and like this healing group in DC you know, we work on healing, we work on education, we work on action. Yeah. And I think the action is the third one that gets really tricky because it's like individually we do things, but then like trying to do come together as a group of men to like do do things. So so I think I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but it's kind of like in all this work that's so meaningful and grounded yeah. of these conversations that you're having how do you know what the men are like there's our own healing has impacts in our relationships. And I just worry about, cause I've seen it with race folks get in the likes and the clicks and the platforms. And it's like, are you showing up for women? Are you showing up for reproductive rights? Are you showing up for LGBTQ plus community? Like how does, how does this show and these conversations connect to that for you? Mm. I mean, yeah, beautiful question. Let me let me, let me show you, I understand the question. So the question is, how do these conversations add to the bigger picture of of creating more like equality? Is that what the, the it's vision? more like it's more like this is a space for like male identified folks yeah. To, yeah. to present their masks and yeah. to, to show what's beneath. And there's like power in that vulnerability and mm. that connectedness and like what we're doing right now i feel it yeah and yeah it, you know and we're in this moment of like and this may not be your work this may be someone else's work yeah, yeah. like what's the relationship between this work that we're doing and that you're doing and like solidarity with more marginalized folks mm. yeah yeah yeah, beautiful question. You know, I think that what I saw when I first started the Ever Forward Club, which is 2004, as a first-year teacher, yeah, I saw smart young men, mostly I'm in the Bay Area, like brown and black young men who were smart but were failing my class. Yeah. And what I knew is that they would not have access to the bigger world out there if they did not first get an education but also become independent thinkers of, like, how I – act versus the way I really want to be acting. Like there's one thing when you see a smart kid and you're like using that smarts to like outsmart you all the time. And another when you see a smart kid who's using that, that smarts to like prove to you how smart he's not. Right. And so what I, what, what I think ever forward has tried to do in the beginning stages was dude, I can see you're smart. <laughs> I'm not sure who you're trying to hide it from. What are you doing? Like, do you, like, what do you want out of your future in your life? Because the world is not designed. These are black and brown boys. The world's right. not designed for you to succeed. Right. There is, there's plenty of room for you to succeed, but it's not designed that way because there's plenty of systems that are, are gaping holes in the sidewalk that will have you underneath the concrete jungle yeah. as opposed to being a part of it. So right. what do you want? And I think that what I've done, so that's ever forward back 2004 and you fast forward to these conversations. Yeah. It's like, where do men get a space to be more human? 
Like yeah. you, you've come to a place of understanding about your role in the world that I've met many smart men, white men who don't even understand that they, they're not even willing to accept that they have privilege. Right. It almost be, it almost baffles me sometimes to, to have, a, to talk to a person who is like, yeah, no, I just worked hard and my family worked hard and we worked hard. And the reason that people don't have, because they don't work hard. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's, let's okay. And you have to sometimes, and I want to have these conversations. I'm really curious. I'm really curious. Is it a belief or is it a facade? And sometimes I think with the idea of the mask is like, I think we have more in common than we would ever know by looking at each other, even through this conversation. Right. Yeah. But we would have never known that if I just passed you on the street, because what would happen on the street is that my eyes would see you, you would see me. And like, maybe you would be like, let me start a conversation, but maybe it'd be like, Oh, I don't have anything in common with this person. And we just keep moving. I know that's how I may operate. And so what happens is because we use our eyes to judge, we oftentimes miss the fact that there's so much more we have in common. I wish that every uh, person had the space to like speak about where they, how, how they see the world. Like that man I told you about who couldn't see that he had privilege because he thought he worked hard. And I'm like, I'm not doubting you worked hard. This is not the question about, did you work hard? The question is, do you see that even by working as hard as you worked, that if I worked the same as hard, that there were some doors that when I walk in, I will be looked at differently based on what they see on the outside, not about the content of anything inside here. And I think that sometimes you you can say the smartest response to someone who believes those kind of thoughts, but if they're set in believing that, there's nothing you can say to move them. At least I haven't yet found the the right velocity or amount of intelligence to counteract spoken ignorance <laughs> that would be someone say you know what you're right ashanti uh there right and, it, and I, I think i'm smart but i think sometimes you're like you don't want to be moved you you you're willing to be stuck where your where your beliefs are and so i think these conversations with men of all backgrounds we've interviewed men from multiple countries and backgrounds and we're all wearing masks whether they're in india mexico uh, nepal whether they're in australia whether they're in africa We've all been trained as little kids and, and, and as intergenerational and inter, you know? So, yeah, I think that's what we're trying to do is how can we break down the walls right. to say that maybe everybody you meet who says something on the outside, there's more going on on the inside. And maybe that will help us to begin having healthier conversations as opposed to like taking the words you say and saying, you're such a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, well, why do you feel that? Let, let me dig a little deeper behind that belief, you know? I so appreciate that. And it's it's hard. I have to have so much patience. I mean, you have to have so much patience. We have to have so much patience in this work because it's like, it's. I try and meet people with compassionate care. And it's like, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's disingenuous sometimes, right? It just, you can't not get, it's not that hard of a concept to get. And so there's such like repression and denial in there it's like most think about like like just just understanding exclusion right just understanding like civil rights i'm like didn't you see folks marching and the children and the fire and like and then what you think it's all gone now right you you see you understand watch baseball you understand that there weren't any black players in the major leagues you had you know jackie robin you think that's all gone now or do you realize that like they're not interviewing you know black manager candidates until they made a rule saying you have to interview minorities, right? Like, right. so it's just like you're 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 on to something in terms of this like cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Piece yeah. Yeah. Because it's just you're too smart to not get it. You know. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I wonder even if, you know we do workshops in schools that are like you know um, like say all boys schools here in the Bay Area, right? That are. Um, yeah. primarily, you know, all white students. And I'm really yeah. thankful to be have, have done work with them and really like to have some healthy conversations around these masks. And I think that they're clear they have masks and they're clear they have blind spots. Yeah. And it's easy to, it's almost what I've seen. And sometimes it's easy to pretend that 
it is the way you see it because there's no one who challenges you on it. And if you only surround yourself with people who think like you think, I think there's this guy on the, the Today Show, I think Jordan Klepper, I think his name is, something, something like that. And he interviews these people at these rallies and he asks them really just like, you know, he's a white guy. So he gets into spaces that, you know, other people can't get into. And he's like, hey, so tell me what your thoughts are about this. And he hears people answer with the most sincerity of their belief systems that you just be like, come I mean, this is like 65-year-old people, 70, who who have a belief system that you're like rooted in, like, wait, did you just did you just did you just say this? And then they're like, yeah. And sometimes you even see them double take what they just said, because they're like, well, hmm. I, but I, but I'm wearing the shirt and I got and I'm wearing the hat, so I can't change my position, even yeah. though you find in some moments you see them catch on to the fact that they just said something that, huh. Uh, that they don't even believe themselves. Mm. And I think that that's what my goal with most of these conversations are is, and I, and I'm, Hey, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm looking forward to speaking to someone who, who believes in those words on this conversation. Cause I would be curious to just ask these harder questions, not harder questions, but yeah. so tell me where did it come from? Where did it start? Where did yeah. it start that this belief arose in your system in your life and anyway so those are the ways that we try and do it but i'm, I'm really thank you for asking that question and i'm thanking you for being here on the show man thank you for for this conversation i, I think it's so huge and, and so important and, and i'll just say that i appreciate you naming where this all started as well because i don't know if you know uh omega boys club dr joseph marshall and all. yeah so i've like was part of that community for seven years I was still considering family and, and that was a whole journey too because I just started showing up Tuesday nights whatever was like <laughs> was this white guy you know it's like literally like, you know, like not you know I think I had some sort of agenda <laughs> building that truck and it wasn't until I got up in front of that room and shared vulnerably about a little bit of my stuff that like some of that like ice broke and I got to really make real relationship I think that's important to name because there are these bears, like you said, we could walk past each other on the street. But yeah. I also saw things with like young black men and, and not just and not just men, and they work with girls as well. Yeah. It's where that that path to, I mean, their whole thing's alive and free, right? Yeah. That path to college and that path to not being locked up in some, you know, some um environments is just it broke my heart, right? How mm-hmm. difficult. It was. So for you to provide that space, you know, for healing, just for yeah. being seen, right? So yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I think too is like as a teacher and some of these things is like, but I subbed all around, you know, San Francisco, South San Francisco, and like and a lot of like continuation schools, which were like kids had been like kicked out of one school and they were in the second. I was at downtown, I was at Baden. And it was like, and I think I chose that like for a reason, because it was like I wanted the challenge of like having to deal with my whiteness and my yeah. man like in real time yeah with youth who've like been through a lot more than I had right yeah yeah and so, so I learned a ton from that so I just I wanted to name that um in the ways in which really my experience in the bay and in some some mm. communities there really um helped me in my own healing and also in like bringing a lot of wisdom and patience and like graciousness now towards my work with white folks, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so it's it's anyway. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm tell me the name again. The book you talk about, the promise of I, I didn't forget uh, the name. A promise and a way of life. Um, promise and, by Becky yeah, Thomas, it's, right? It's yeah. dense. Becky Thompson, I think. Thompson. And Thompson. Uh, yeah, and you know, there's another uh, friend out in, the, in Oakland, Lynn Burnett. He started this uh, white anti-racist ancestry project. So once mm. again, he edited a website. He's trying to write about this and connect the dots. And I continue to build, you know, network and um, yeah. Cause it's like, we need each other. And that, and that to that whole solidarity piece, that's what I've learned with white folks is like, everybody wants us to be allies and co-conspirators and accomplices and all this. But if we're not showing up for each other, yeah, then, yeah. then how can yeah. we really yeah. show up across race and difference? So, man, Yeah. Well, you know, I I hope that this is just the beginning of of more conversations. I hope that if if in your circle of men that you work with, if this tool, this simple little tool of one picture and six words can add richness to a conversation, I I invite you to like 
Like, please let's connect. And I, you know, our goal is we set a goal of collecting a million of these. We want people to use it. And yeah. we ask them just share the mass with us so that we can see masks that are made around the world. And we, we believe, I believe that the more we can begin seeing each other, that there's more going on than what I can see. Yeah. I think we create more space for the, the willingness to hear more than we can see. Right. Yeah. And willing to hear more than we think we heard. Because if every time I, somebody speaks, I try and jump on what they said, as opposed to being more curious about what they meant by what they said, then I easily can miss out on actually giving the room for the conversation to go longer. And and I think that sometimes that happens in these communities that I am dedicated to being a part of improving and communicating better. So I would like to... Um, is, I know you say you're doing some writing. I don't know if you have a place yeah. where we can follow your writing. So how would you like people to follow what you're up to and what you're doing? That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Um, Change the Narrative is the, the organization I started in 2017. So if you go to uh, www.changethenarrative.me, um, there'll be links to my writing on there. I'm, I'm also working on a memoir. And I'll just say with your work with men and, and, and boys and things like that, like, I really want to be working more with young people and what white identifying, you know, because that's my lane at this intersection of race and gender and even class, because it's so needed. And it's, I don't know, middle schools and high schools and stuff who are really doing this work. And obviously we've already named some of the defensiveness that white folks have around this work, but there's evidence of the need for the healing yeah. and the Lord. It's all around us and the adults and the leadership in this country. So it's like, and I even talked, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have gotten to know like Paul Kivel a little bit, okay. you know, the mentor in Oakland, he's, he's, you know, uprooting racism, all that. And yeah. I'm talking to him, I was like, who's doing this work? And he's done a lot of it in the nineties and historically learned a ton from his work. Yeah. He's like, who's doing this work with boys at this intersection? He's like, it's such fertile ground. He's like, yeah. there's long been the question of who would invest in it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so that's what's so hard is it's like, right? It's like, yep. We have to, we have to um invest in each other and and, and build that's the right. community. And so I, you know, let me know how I can support you. Oh man. Ordering this million mask movement. I know you got a big event. <laughs> but you it's in person, right? I can't it's I can't. in person. Yeah, but we're we're gonna try and see if we, we can put up live. We're gonna be probably have some young men helping us with some streaming and some maybe we'll do right. some streaming at some pieces and uh we'll 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 send it out to the to the to the to the work to the network. That sounds great. Well, yeah, thank you. Keep in touch and I'm so glad no. thank you and thank you for this conversation. I, and I'm I you you bring you in all the ways that maybe you didn't know that that would be the case, you it, it it brings hope because I'm, because in the social in the media platform stratosphere and maybe maybe the way I train my algorithm I only hear from voices that don't sound like what we had this conversation about and I wish more of people with this voice were 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 finding the platforms yeah. that are broadcasting widely but thank you and I will broadcast it widely and I will you know in our our little our following here we're we need more a, a variety of voices that are feeling what, what they feel and everyone has a right to feel what they feel. But I truly believe that, that, um, that this is what we need to be highlighting. And so thank you. Thank you. Much love. Right on. And much yeah. love to you too, brother. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day and we'll be in touch soon. And we'll, uh, I, let me just uh, say thank you for being a part of the podcast. And, you know, it almost felt like a, it wasn't even a show. It was just, we we're having a conversation. I think we need more of that, right? How can these conversations not have to be specialized in some kind of format, but that we have them in a way that's just heartfelt. So thank you for that. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. You too. Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode milestone and begin the work to the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. 
and we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. That's November 11th of 2022. There's a math problem in there. You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care, and we'll see you soon.